Welcome everyone to another episode of Case Cast. I'm your host, Dr. Dominique Hill, the Associate Program Director for the Emergency Medicine Residency. And today I have our, our residency uh, simulation director, Dr. Christopher Brack, who's going to be talking to us about fascia iliaca blocks for hip fractures. Welcome, Dr. Brack. Hi, thanks for having me on. So, um, thinking about fascia iliaca blocks and hip fractures, um, just doing some background information. Uh, there's more than 300,000 adults over the age of 65 that are hospitalized annually for hip fractures in the U.S., but usually due to ground-level falls. And so emergency medicine physicians are tasked with providing care and pain relief to these patients, and opiates alone can lead to undesired effects, such as respiratory depression, other complications such as delirium and nausea as well, and also inadequate pain relief. So I'm here today to discuss with Dr. Brock a case and what we're trying to do to uh, move away from opiate use in our hospital. Yeah, thanks, Dr. Hill. So our case here is an 84-year-old female with history of mild dementia, and she lives at home with her family who's presenting to you after a trip and fall, and she's having a lot of left hip pain. EMS uh, was reporting that she tripped while going into the bathroom this morning, and on exam, she's at her baseline, but has a shortened and externally rotated left hip. They gave her 50 micrograms of fentanyl en route, and she's tolerating pain well at the moment, but the family said to them that she doesn't tolerate opiates very well, and it makes her pretty confused and nauseated. So after moving her over to the stretcher, she's pretty uncomfortable with any movement, and we want to provide her with uh, good pain relief, but we need to figure out a way we can do this while avoiding any opiates. That's, so what are the options that we have at this time? So what we've been doing in our department, department we've been training physicians uh, as part of a QI project to perform a fascia iliaca block. This is also called a fascia iliaca compartment block as the compartment where we're putting the anesthetic into contains the femoral nerve, the lateral femoral cutaneous nerve, and possibly we can get anesthesia to the obturator nerve as well with large volume blocks in this area. And the uh, nerve roots from this uh, come from L2 to L4, and they transverse the compartment along the anterior uh, iliosos muscle going down through the abdomen and into the lower thigh. So what is the distribution of pain relief that this block achieves? So this hip block or fascial iliaca block uh, gives distribution of analgesia to the anterior and medial thigh and all the way down to the knee and also a strip of skin over the medial leg and foot as well which is from the saphenous nerve. And uh, this also provides pain relief to the articular surfaces of the hip and the knee. Okay. So what equipment does one need to perform this procedure and what do we have to do? So we've tried to make this as easy as possible and accessible to everybody who we've trained so far. So we've tried to make this simple by creating a little block kits that contain the equipment needed for the procedure. And typically what you need is obviously the ultrasound and um, 
then for anesthetic, the uh, anesthetic of a choice is ropivacaine. And usually this is done with half percent ropivacaine and it has a maximum dose of three milligrams per kilogram. And then you want to dilute this in normal saline. So typically what it's done is 30 milliliters of the ropivacaine is taken and diluted with another 30 milliliters of normal saline. And this is drawn up into a 60 cc syringe or 230 cc syringes, depending on what you have available. And then you uh, use this, attach a couple of uh, extenders for IV tubing. You have your skin prep of choice. And then um, sometimes you can also provide some lidocaine per cutaneous anesthesia to make this more comfortable for the patient as well. Um, I like to use a 22 gauge needle, a blunt tip needle as preferred because it gives you kind of a better feel when you can feel going through the different fascial planes. And then um, a sharp tip needle will work just as fine as well since we'll be using ultrasound to visualize this. And then the second provider is always um, necessary for this procedure as well, uh, just to provide assistance and uh, pushing the anesthetic in as you're directing the ultrasound needle. And then also you wanna make sure you have airway supplies present and the 20% uh, lipid emulsion available for treatment of any toxicity. Okay, and then how do we perform this procedure? So there are two different approaches that are uh, generally taught and we've been teaching the superinguinal approach. Uh, there's also an infrainguinal approach. And just another thing to note is the anatomy on older adults can sometimes be difficult to visualize and take some practice and that's because as we age, uh, muscle starts to contain more fat generally, and this makes it sometimes more difficult to distinguish between those fascial planes. So it takes some getting used to. And in our kits as well, we provide images to help identify these landmarks. And there's some great videos and images online to help get yourself familiar with these as well too. So a simple Google search for fascia iliaca block will come up with dozens of images and videos to help you with this. So what you'll wanna do once you have your kit and everything ready, you know, what you'll do is you'll place the transducer just superior and parallel to the inguinal ligament going from the ASIS down in towards the groin. And you'll slide the transducial transducer medially to visualize the common uh, anatomy, such as the femoral vein, uh, femoral artery, and femoral nerve going from medial to lateral. And then you'll slowly uh, move the transducer laterally, visualizing the sartorius muscle overlying the iliacus muscle. And then just lateral to the transducer, once you've identified this, you'll make a wheel in the skin with local anesthetic, and then you'll enter there with the nerve block needle after that. And then you'll go from lateral, lateral to medial with the needle and visualize it in the long axis as you go down and go through the fascia lata first and then enter through the fascia iliaca. And then you'll inject the 
anesthetic and start to hydro dissect until you get about 30 to 60 milliliters in five milliliter increments and make sure you're gently aspirating between uh, injections of those five milliliter increments to make sure you're not having an inadvertent vascular puncture. Yeah, there's some great videos out there that show you how to uh, how to do this. Uh, Dr. Avila, I believe he's got some great videos on this. So mm -hmm. I've been looking at those. Uh, now, what do we do in Dr. Brock if a, if a physician or um, uh, APP or resident isn't trained? So what we've done at our hospital is the providers that have been trained so far um, and are comfortable doing this, um, we've created a secure chat group within uh, our messaging system to other providers who have been trained to see if they're available in the department or coming in shortly into the department um, to make it easy if you're not trained to get somebody there who is. And this also helps to show the providers who haven't been trained how to perform this and see how simple it really is. It really, once you've done a few of these, it's pretty quick and easy with the nerve block kits we've put together. And um, I think um, if they see a few of these done, then they'll be a little bit more comfortable with doing them uh, or getting uh, the training to do them, to do them on their own. Okay. Well, this has been a great topic to talk about and definitely a procedure that emergency physicians should be trained in. So I will allow you to give any closing remarks, Dr. Brock. Yeah, so with the number of hip fractures we see in our department and it averages almost one a day, uh, if we can capture the majority of these patients, we can really do a service to our patient population by providing them with this, which I think is really the best care uh, especially for elderly patients and uh, minimizing opiate use because this really leads to better outcomes and it's shown to decrease um, morbidity, mortality, hospital length of stay. So obviously we want the best for our patients and I think if we can get everybody trained to do this, this is really providing the best care for them. I wholeheartedly agree. Well, thanks for talking to us about this today, Dr. Brock, and thank you to everyone else for tuning in to another episode of Case Cast. All right, thanks again.